COVID-19 is affecting the world, there are a lot of uncertainties for the immediate future. How will the pandemic affect the economy, businesses, and individuals in such changeable times? In this episode of Influx, Gary Hertzberg talks to Fluxman's attorneys about how to navigate money issues, including debt obligations, school fees, and more. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is Cliff Central. Joining us today is attorney Jack Palane, and uh, Jack is a highly regarded commercial attorney. And let me tell you a bit about him. He holds two masters. Listen to this one. He has a master's in law, and he has an MBA. He's an LLB. I don't know what else he's got. He's from Limpopo, which I was pleased to hear. He's a director of prominent law firm Fluxman's Attorneys. Many thanks for being with us today, Jack. We appreciate it. Thank you kindly, Gary. To go back to the Limpopo uh, boy issue, I was actually born in Johannesburg, raised in Limpopo, but uh, now based here, you know, full time. But uh, I don't know what football team you support. It maybe make a difference now. I don't know where where your allegiances are. Uh, yeah, uh, the best <laughs> team in South Africa, based in Soweto, celebrated so many number of Orlando years. Pirates. Said, nah, that's uh, that shouldn't right, be the next team. guest. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. We know, Jack, uh, that many of our people that are lucky enough to have jobs live from paycheck to paycheck. What I want to discuss with you, if I may, is the economic impact on the South African individual, the consumer, during uh, this time of the corona crisis. The first question to you is, there are people out there that just genuinely cannot pay their loans, their their, their mortgages, whatever it may be. Uh, what should they do? Simple, simple question. Uh, well, I think the, the, the key thing for anyone who owes money to, to the banks or whoever else, you know, so it's important to firstly understand the contractual relationship that the individual has, you know, with a bank, for example. You know, um, even if you understand what is in the contract, it may be that under the circumstances you are not able to do what you have to do to comply with your contractual obligations. So it is always better to actually approach the lender as opposed to be approached by the lender because when you approach by the lender, it means it's actually too late. They probably want to enforce what is in the contract itself. So the advice I can give to everyone will be, you know, go and approach your lender and explain your situation to be saying, well, this is where I find myself in. And, I mean, unfortunately now it's not just people not uh, being able to pay, there are circumstances that were never envisaged by anyone that would affect people complying with their uh, with their obligations. Jack, many people read in the all over social media, newspapers, whatever. This bank and that bank is giving you three months uh, not to pay. So everyone sits back and thinks, "Well, that's liquor. I'm not going to pay." I, you know, I sort it uh, in black and white. That's wrong. There's no entitlement here. No, no, yeah. no there, there yeah. isn't. And, yeah. and I think it's important because I guess social media is what we rely on, unfortunately, these days for, for news. Yes. And in some instances, we don't actually understand what message is being conveyed. I mean, for example, in the case of Standard Bank, they are not saying anyone uh, who owes Standard Bank money will, is going to have a, a break in terms of uh, complying with the obligations or payment obligations. I mean, the Standard Bank message is very specific. You know, they are talking about businesses whose turnover it's up to, I'd say, up to 20 million, mm. and the accounts should be up to date. So it has not as yet been uh, a situation where they say this applies to 
all consumers, individuals for now, have not been taken care of, mm. you know, by the banks. Hopefully, it's something that the banks are going to be looking at. But the the standard bank issue now relates specifically to to small businesses and not, you know, individuals. So if you are an individual like me, so this does not as pay their message apply to me. So this means then if you find yourself in a difficult situation financially, don't sit back, approach, you know, the banks and say, well, what is it that we can do? Can I have a break? And and chances are that the banks will look at that. I mean, What about these microloans, Moshonisas, people like that? Um, How do you think they'll deal with this? I think that's just for me a, 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 Situation of hoping and praying <laughs> because, you know, um, I mean, Mashonisas in most instances, they've got this reputation of actually advancing loans outside of the law. That means they, they're not necessarily complying with any, any law. So with those, I guess you do the same thing. You, you probably take just, your chances. you just take your chances the very same way they agree to advance you the money. Just go back and say, well, circumstances are such that mm. uh, I won't be able to pay, but do something about it. I guess that if you approach the bank, um, a genuine mortgage that you can't pay, the first thing they'll look at is whether you're up to date or not. And if you are in arrears, they probably treat you uh, not that kindly. They'll say, well, you haven't been paying for months. You know, now you, now you approach. Mm. I, kind of I, yeah. I think that's probably what will happen because, I mean, as much as the standard bank um, uh, good gesture applies to businesses, one of the criteria there is, you know, one's account should be up to date. You know, and I think even if you were to approach a bank, that is the first thing that they are going to do. In terms of prioritizing, you know, my guess will be they will prioritize those who have been good uh, customers and being good to a bank means you, you're paying what you're supposed to be paying because if you don't do that, you're just making it worse even for them because they need to be taking legal action against. Do you think, uh, just a personal opinion, do you think banks should freeze the interest during this period? Personally, I would say yes. You know, this is not. So would I. <laughs> so would we all. Yeah. You know, this is, this is not something that anybody actually expected. Mm. And reality is people cannot be going to work every day. And we all have to actually do our bit, you know, in terms of social distance. And we cannot ignore the message that is being pushed by the, by the government, you know. So some people will not be able to get paid mm. and employers may also not be able to pay their employees and not necessarily out of choice because the, the situation is tough. And unfortunately, this situation find ourselves in, in, in an environment where the economy is not doing well. So it's not like there's money out there where employers can say, well, we will make a plan. Some maybe will be able to do that, but I don't think all employers will be able to, to do that. So it will be nice of the banks to also be good, good citizens like everyone else to, yeah. to freeze um, interest, for example, and, and give people some latitude for a few months. You know, While I have you on the question of banks, what is the effect uh – on me as an individual or as a consumer on the um, the reduction in the repo rate? How does that going to affect me? Well, it depends on how much you owe to the bank. But the good thing is that the reduction automatically means you will also be paying less. And if you pay less, it means you will have some money to spend. And I think the key thing and the responsible thing now will be how do you use that money, yeah. you know, the extra that you have because of the reduction in the repo rate, which would affect the lending rate by the by the banks, you know. And I think the prudent thing will be, you know, you need to reorganize your life and spend um 
you know, responsibly. So it shouldn't just be spending for the sake of spending, you know. So there, there are so many things that will be affected by the situation that we find ourselves in now. So we should spend responsibly. Still. Yeah, Jack, there are a lot of people, the privileged people, mm. um, of which you are one, um, we, 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 you know, we, we all saying, well, we're going to go and work for, we're working from home and I've got sitting in the comfort of my beautiful home and I have a laptop on my lap. But spare a thought for the factory worker from Utenhag who works in the Volkswagen plant, yeah, who's got yeah. no laptop and he doesn't mm. work on laptops. He's losing his job. And that's the person that we're concerned about now. Talk to us. I mean, I, I, I don't know too much about it. I know a little about the, Unemployment, uh, what's it called? UIF. Yes. Now, yes. when does UIF kick in, generally? Well, the, the, and yeah, I, I, I know I would love to toy toy and say I'm not privileged, but I really am considering the type of people that you're referring to. Yes. You know, so I, I, I count myself as one of those who are blessed. Mm. So in terms of the, of the UIF, you know, generally what it does is if a person loses employment, you know, then the UIF will kick in. So that is insurance to help people, not people who voluntarily resign, but people who are laid off or are sick, uh, maternity leave. Mm. You know, so those are the people who, who are supposed to be helped, you know, by the, by the UIF. You mm. know, I understand currently, you know, the relevant uh, government department, they are looking at ways of actually helping because this is not a normal situation where a person is sick, for example, and therefore not able to go to work. This is a situation where you may be laid off. If you're laid off, I, I believe the UIF. Do you think if I'm laid off, the UIF will come to my, it to should, my assistance? You know, under the circumstances. And it's not as a result of illness, though. It's because UIF covers illness and, and if you're having a baby and that kind of stuff, uh, this is, well, I guess, I guess the, the whole country's ill, yeah. really, so. So that, it, that's why I think that there should be policy intervention because this is the whole country being ill, mm. you know, so, and, and I think this is what the government is looking at currently to see how they will be able to plug the gap, you know, in relation to employees who are made not to, to go to work, you know, on a, on a day to day basis because some of those are not going to be paid. And it may be a situation where you are not laid off. But you are at home because of this, you know, and UIF, uh, as the law currently stands, it's not saying, well, if you're at home because of coronavirus, you're going to be paid for the number of days that you'll be uh, off work. But I think the good thing that they are talking about is for even employers, you know, they are looking at ways of making sure that the employers also get a break in terms of the contributions, mm-hmm. especially if you can show that you had to close shop. Yeah. You know, during this period, so yeah. there is that intervention, which which I think it's um, so we it's hang a on good to that with 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 all our might that UIF will help us. Although Kusato, I don't want to talk politics. I saw Kusato wants the UIF to use the money to help companies, but we're talking now about the factory work and the individuals that mm. are going to lose their jobs. We hope and pray that there's some help for them out of this UIF fund. Yeah, I think for me that should be the the focus first in terms of helping those workers, you know, who do not have much, you know, uh, under the circumstances. But in terms of helping businesses, you know, I think it's something that will have to be looked at carefully because – one cannot ignore it completely. And the reason I'm saying you cannot ignore it completely is because you need the companies to be able to hire people. So if companies are struggling 
and there is no way of supporting those companies, then they're going to lay off um, the employees. I know UIF will come to the party when the employees are laid off, but then we're literally depleting the fund because you you still need employers who can continue to to create employment, Mm. make the contribution to the UIF. But if Mm. a lot of companies are, are closing shop, then you're going to end up with a situation where you've, you've got you know, enough money. Yeah, UIF yeah. becomes a SASA in a way. So they, they, it needs to be looked at. I think it's more a balancing act. It's all frightening, isn't it? It is. I mean, this is yeah. new territory for yeah. everyone. Yeah. What about people that someone approaches you today? They say, Mr. Falani, my landlord says if I don't pay, he's going to scop me out, kick me out. What 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 are we going to do here? The the I mean I guess everyone is looking to squeeze everyone at yeah. this stage, especially yeah. those that are in control, so to speak. I mean, if a landlord comes and say, "Well, I need you to pay me today," yeah. you know, the first thing you have to do, obviously, is to go back to the to the contract. But like I said earlier, if there is no help, you know, there are no provisions that will deal with a situation like this. My advice is go approach the landlord, you know, now. Don't wait for when you are unable to pay your rental and then approach the mm. the landlord. Because in most instances, I mean, unless we're talking individual landlords and those will probably be saying, well, we are in the same boat. You know, someone who's got uh, some rooms for rental in Soweto somewhere will be saying, well, I'm in the same boat. I think the issue is if you don't know your rights, yeah. people will do whatever they they want yeah. to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, it does happen. And the reason it happens is because people don't know their rights. Mm. Because no one should actually, without a court order, you know, um, cut off electricity, for example, or lock you out. Because if you do that, you're taking the law into your own Except hands. the council has certain rights. We must just distinguish between the mm. two. If you don't pay your water and lights to the council... They can terminate the service. We're yeah. talking about landlords. Yes. May yes. I mention one, ask you or talk about one other thing, eviction, the actual court eviction. So before a landlord can put you on the street, he's got to take, he's got to issue a legal process. Yes. So don't let them scare you. Yes. To say, yes. I'm going to put you on the street tomorrow. Yeah. You're out. Believe me, your furniture and that will be on the street. It's got to go through a whole legal process. It, it has And I don't to. know whether the courts allow you to come in and issue process. I know the high court in Gauteng doesn't. I don't know about the magistrate's court. So there could be, and I don't know if the sheriff is going to evict anyone right now. Yes. yes. In this hell that we're going through. So, Kind of sit back a bit. I don't, I don't want to give you non-legal advice, but am I right, Jack? Kind of, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I, we, we just don't know what is going to happen. Obviously, if something is urgent, the court will still entertain that, mm. you know, but if yes. it's something that yeah. can wait, then it will have to, it will have to wait. But I think the principle is that no one can just come and evict you unless there is a court order, mm-hmm. you know, so because that is actually against the the law. So I think people need to know that. I know it does happen, mm-hmm. you know, in most instances, and unfortunately some lawyers will advise their clients, you know, to just uh, change the locks. They're not supposed to they be They cannot do that. The other that. thing is that in terms of, is it the PIE Act, P-I-E, that we call it, um, they've, they've got to prove to the court, the landlord, to the best, you know, I'm a bit rusty on this one, but, uh, that, uh, you've got somewhere else to stay and, uh, that kind of thing. So it's not so easy for a landlord to throw you out. No, it is, it is not. And see, and, see, go to Flaxman's and they'll help you. If yeah, you yeah. No, no, so yeah. Some of my colleagues will be able to assist <laughs> on, on that, but it's not as easy as just say, I'm going to throw you out. There's still a process. And in some instances, it may not be under all circumstances where, 
you know, you'll still need to make sure that, you know, the person you're evicting has got alternative accommodation. I think that will apply mainly to your government departments, for example. Yes. One of the biggest truly embarrassing things for any parent, and I know I see your two beautiful children that you brought in, is that God forbid you can't pay their school fees. It's embarrassing for you as a, as a man, as a parent, mm. for all of us. Mm. But it happens yeah, if it's yeah. legitimate, and it's happening now, and it's going to happen even more. Yes, yes. Please tell us what the answer is. The, that, it's not a, I mean, I, I guess if you do not know, you'll probably be thinking, well, you can always go to the school and say, hey, I cannot uh, pay school fees, and therefore uh, my kids should stay there. So the the current legislation actually provides for parents who are unable to pay it. So there's a criteria that they use, mm. you know, to, to determine whether a person can or cannot pay. Mm. You know, but in terms of the legislation, every principal, and we're talking public schools and not private schools, yes. every principal needs to make sure, or the actually it's peremptory, they must you know, advise the parents, you know, of, of the, the, the right actually not to be paying school fees mm. if you qualify. So there's a criteria that is being used. So if this has not been made available to all the parents, because you cannot just from day one say, well, uh, all these parents are going to, are in a position to pay. They need to have been told because that is what the law says. So if they have not been told, I think this is the time where you approach the principal and say, well, what is the law regarding uh, not being able to afford paying school fees? You know, and, and the principal should be able to, it's not even an option. I think most, uh, most public schools are very aware of this. Mm-hmm. You apply for an exemption. Yes. To the best of my recollection, it used to be if your school fees are 10% or more of your total income, then they can reduce the school fees and so on. Yes, and if you have yeah. a zik or nothing, you're not earning, I then, think you could get mahala. Yeah, uh, no, no, I think, yeah. I think you're right. You know, that, that is the thing. <laughs> yeah. So if you can't pay, if you can't afford, you can't afford. I, yeah. I just don't see how they will then force you to pay because you just don't have, you know, mm. the means to, to pay. Private schools, it's a different thing. Again, you just treat it like any contractual relationship that you have. You know, approach the school. I mean, I know some private schools, you know, um, do do help in a way because I think they are aware that, you know, we're just living in difficult times. And this has just worsened, you know, things in a way. So I think one still has an opportunity of approaching a private school. I mean, I know they are there to Mm. make money, Mm. uh, but you can still approach them and say, well, what is it that we can do? Maybe you can make an arrangement to pay. Yeah, they're not obliged to. Mm. Just for our listeners, Section 27 has published. Now, Section 27 is an NGO. It's published a very helpful guide on school fees. Uh, Go to... uh, your uh, World Wide Web, section 2727.org.za. It's all there for you, and you can check out exactly whether you qualify or don't qualify. Yeah, and yeah. I think those those are resources that people need to to use because they will help in a way, especially under these difficult circumstances. We wish our listeners, we wish our country, we wish all of us Godspeed. And thank you to you, Jack. You've been outstanding. Jack Pilani of Fluxman's, many thanks for your time. Thanks, Gary. I know you're a commercial lawyer, but you've given up of your time. I know you do big contracts. Are there any contracts happening at the moment, Jack? <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding you. Thank you to you and to Fluxman's for allowing you to be here. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Oh, thank you, Gary and Cliff Central. Much appreciated.